Cool. If you have a Bible, Mark chapter 3, I'm not going to keep you long today, but I could. I got a lot to say. Uh, Mark 3 is where we're going to look at. And I, I want you to just, you're going to hear me echo this again and again and again and again today. This feels like such a special moment, doesn't it? Like it has been just an, an incredible week. Some of you that maybe have been at New Community for a while and call us your tribe, your home, uh, you've been here a lot of hours this week. Many of you have been in here working and moving and picking up heavy things and cleaning like nobody's business. Some of you are really good at cleaning. And we have been so waiting for this moment to finally begin worship to, worshiping together because you know, like I do, when we gather and direct our attention and we sing things like glory to God forever, that God himself, something, something happens among us as a people. And we love that moment. And some of you I know are maybe just visiting. You're just getting started here. And I have to tell you, I'm so glad you're here because for five and a half years, we have not had the ability to offer accessibility to those who are disabled. Five and a half years, we've not been able to really invite that. For five and a half years, we have been fighting for space for our Kids Town program and our youth. And now, right next door, we have a secure space and a large space to welcome children. We all walked in and kind of went, this is so big, right? And if you, if you have not been over there before you leave, you need to walk down the ramp and turn right and go to those doors and go look at what has already taken place there. And I'm telling you, it's going to be amazing. So if you're just checking us out because you're curious or because someone invited you and this seemed like a safe Sunday, I'm glad because I love the programs that we have to offer and I believe in our teams and our leaders and I'm telling you, I've worked in churches for several years where I had friends who were not Christians and I wouldn't invite them to church because I was nervous the rest of the Christians were gonna screw it up. I'm not nervous about that here and I'm incredibly grateful and specifically I want you guys to pause and thank everybody that worked so hard to make this happen this week. Can we just give them a huge round of applause? But this is this is a special moment because we have now a physical home for this tribe called New Community. We've been talking for, for many weeks about this idea that love is the movement, saying that when it comes to Christ and the gospel, the good news, the hope of the world, that it is love that moves that forward. It is the movement of love that really uh, presses the gospel into places where it's never been. And so I, I thought it was appropriate. I, I had a new series ready, but then I thought it was appropriate. If we're saying love is the movement and we moved, that I probably ought to take one more week and hit on that. So I didn't mind. And, and I want to look at a passage in this moment that I think might frame a bit of our future moving forward together. See, in the scriptures, the people of God would hit special moments where they would, they would see God do something in their lives and God would go, now I want you to do something. I want you to build an altar. And I want you to build an altar and pile rocks together. And I want you to reflect and remember because now every time you see these rocks, you need to know that's the moment I showed up in your life. And you need to remember when you see that altar, but you also need to celebrate. And I think it's great that we're in a building where there's so much beautiful stone because it reminds me that it's an altar. It reminds me that the walls around us are concrete. Dale told me this used to be the National Guard before World War II. And so we're in a pretty strong building, like a tornado could hit, and I think we'll be okay. But <laughs> anxiety is kicking in. But I want you to know this place is a living altar of those stories. And today, here's the moment, it's becoming an altar for us. 
for us as new community. For six and a half years, we're into this journey as a church, and we're pausing today to build an altar because we have seen the work of God. We've seen the work of God in the past two months as someone purchased the building that we were in and we started to realize this isn't gonna work and we've seen the work of God the past six and a half years. I don't know how many of you saw on social media last night, but I want, I, I've gotta tell you this story. I was, I was working in the kitchen and Carrie's sitting and, and looking at the, at the counter that we have and several years ago we redesigned a little bit of the counter and she said, I want yardsticks up as a backsplash. Many of you understand that. I was like, I don't know what you mean. She said, just glue these there. And, and so I did. And she's sitting there last night, and I'm like, my back is turned to her, and all of a sudden she just goes, oh my gosh! And it jumped out of my skin. I was like, what is wrong? And she said, look at this. And one of the yardsticks that we had put up had the very address of this building on it. And I was like, man, God knew the whole freaking time. (laughs) Like, if we would have just paid attention, we could have resolved our building issues. But it was so amazing. We've seen... God work. But here's the thing about altars. Altars also cause us to confront the parts of us that we need to. Because when you build an altar and God has shown up in your life and you remember that and you celebrate that, now every time you pass that altar, you're confronted with the reality that says, are you living the way that you need to be living for God to continue to show up in your life? And it confronts us. And we stand in the midst of this moment. And I think we always, when we're talking about love as the movement, we always need to confront ourselves and say, are we a part of this movement of love? So I want to read to you five verses. I'm gonna, it's only going to take me three hours. I know I joke about that. But I just we're going to go slow through these verses because this story is so powerful. And I want it to cause us to celebrate, but I also want it to confront us. Mark 3, verse 1. I want you to see this first. Here's what it says. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue. Now, the synagogue was the religious gathering of their day. They had the temple in Jerusalem, but they had synagogues throughout their villages. And Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand, a withered hand, a crippled hand was there. Now, a lot of translations will say, if you read them, it'll say, Jesus went into their synagogue, and behold, I see you all paid attention. Because behold was an exclamation. It would say, behold, a man with a withered hand was there. Now, in our gatherings, if someone of great importance showed up, we might go, behold, the so-and-so is there, the famous person. I would use a politician, but you'll all be offended, and I don't know what, where you fall. But behold, the celebrity came in. Behold, the important person from the city came. Behold, this says, behold, a man with a withered hand was there. You see, the author wants us to take note that this is a regular person with a lot of mess in their life, and he showed up to the synagogue that day. When you read the stories of Jesus, there are, there are no beholds in the stories of Jesus regarding well-known people. Nobody says, behold, the well-known Pharisee was there. Behold, the rulers of the day were there. Behold, the Roman centurion. It only gives the behold to the poor man whose hand was withered. And I love that so much because this author says it's about people who are sick, It's about people who are broken. It's about people who are withered. To me, friends, this is the portrait of what we want new community to be. I want us as a people who are following Christ beyond Sundays to say, hey, my friend walked in and their life is so messy and we want to see what God is going to do. I've been struggling all week with how to reference the buildings, right? You're moving stuff in and people are like, where do you want this? And I'm like, the restaurant. And literally probably 30 of you have been like, it's not a restaurant. I know, but I don't know what to call it yet. 
and I'll say the banquet hall. And I, I've been thinking, like, what are we going to call this? What, what is this going to be? And, and I finally settled, this is the sanctuary. And some of you are like, it doesn't really feel like a sanctuary. I get it, but it's a sanctuary, and I'll tell you why. Because a sanctuary is about refuge. A sanctuary is about safety. But you know what? The kids' town room next door, that's a sanctuary as well. Because I know our team, and I know their hearts, and they want to provide refuge and safety for those children. They want to provide a place where those parents walk in, and those parents walk in, and I know you. I know many of you parents. You're exhausted. You're just trying to get through the week, and you're trying to survive the marriage, and you're trying to survive the finances, and you're walking in and just simply seeing another face that says, love you, love your kids. We're going to love your kids unconditionally. Welcome to our sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. Behold, behold, someone whose life is messy showed up. Behold, pay attention. And so this is going to be a place when it has teenagers in it on Wednesday nights in the future that will be a sanctuary, even if they mess up the room a little bit and we have to clean extra hard. Powdered donuts are annoying, aren't they, Nedra? <laughs> but we want to take notice and say, behold, what if, what if this whole block became a sanctuary? What if this whole neighborhood became a sanctuary? What if this whole community became a sanctuary? If you're here, we're glad you're here because you're all messy. We're all messy. You may be a dignitary, but you're still messy. And I want you to hear this maybe on your first Sunday in church in a while. If you recognize your messiness, if you recognize your need, I believe that like the man with the withered hand, you're really, really close to something amazing. You're really, really close to something extraordinary. That's one verse. Verse two. Some of them, now watch this. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see, now check this out, if he would heal on the Sabbath. Now they're watching. These religious leaders are watching because in their rules, in their laws, you weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. You had to just take the day and rest. Some of you are Christians like that. Like if you came to my house and I was mowing my yard, you'd be like, you're breaking the Sabbath. Go clean your yard and leave me alone, right? But that's what they're being watched about. They're saying, you're, we're going to see what Jesus does. Jesus was always being watched. Do you recognize that? He was always being critiqued. And I got to tell you, this week I understood this because every day someone was driving by. We're moving stuff in. They're driving by and they're like about to wreck, right? They're watching. They're seeing what's going on. They're stopping in to see if the restaurant's open. Every day I've been here. It's gonna, it's gonna, they also said it's going to happen for the next two years. See, here's what I know. The culture today, your friends today who don't know Jesus, who don't follow Jesus, they're watching the Christians to see what Jesus is like. They're watching us to see what Jesus is like. And in many ways, you know what? We fail. As Christians representing Jesus, we often fail because we're judgmental. We're too judgmental. We're too legalistic. We often, how many of you know, like, you, you know the Christians that they just seem angry all the time. You should know my Savior. <laughs> Why? You're mad. I don't want that, Right? Or they look at the Christians and they think they're so lost in politics or they just want to be safe and isolated from the rest of the world or they're so clicky. Why would we, why would we be a part of that? See, and what happens is that for those of you who say, well, I want to share my faith, but I don't want to misrepresent Jesus, often we want to hide. We begin to withdraw. We just say, well, let's keep my faith to myself. I'll just kind of live a good life and hopefully someone will ask and then maybe it'll be okay. And we kind of go underground. But watch what Jesus does. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. 
I love this. I love this because Jesus is being watched. Jesus knows he's being watched. And he says, okay, let's just call this out. Why don't you come up here and I'm going to deal with this. He says, get up here in front of everyone. He puts this man on display. Now, this is so cool. And this is, I don't know how to say this other than it's just so Jesus, right? Like, I just made Jesus an adjective. I get that. But he could have easily gone underground. He could have easily said to the man, hey, I'll take care of you later. They're watching me now. I don't want to go against their rules. Just meet me tonight. Like, we're going to be okay. I'll heal your hand then. Don't worry about it. We'll set up a meeting. Social media message me. Like, whatever it is. But he says, get up here. And I want them to see this. He says, watch this. And it's bold. He says, pay attention. Watch what I'm all about. See, if love is the movement, love goes public. The gospel goes public. The gospel always, the good news always go public. I, yesterday, I, I couldn't be here to help move things in. And, and, and I guess they were making executive decisions without me. Imagine that. And they said, hang those signs up. And I've been thinking, well, maybe we need to wait. We need to get new signs, make them shine. Like, come on. And they said, no, we need to know. they need to know we're here. They need to know love is public. They need to know what this is all about. See, this place, listen, this building, this physical space that we're now inhabiting is a sign of love going public. This is a place where the love of Christ, we want it to go public. And watch what Jesus does. He begins to question his questioners. Verse 4, Jesus asks them, which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save life or to kill? But, now watch this, they remained silent. They kept their mouths shut. They didn't have an answer. See, Jesus confronts their criticism, and here's what I think this teaches us. Your critics will have nothing to, dis- to say when your love is on display. Isn't that good? I worked hard on that. Come on. Your critics will have nothing to say when love goes on display. See, when we take the gospel and we make it public and we begin to, to live out the calling of Christ. If we do the things that love requires of us, the criticism won't matter. Now listen, I know who we get criticized from. I know who you get criticized from. First of all, you get criticized from people who don't know Christ. They want to say, well, you're just like all those other Christians. When your love goes on display, they will have nothing to criticize because they will watch and they will be compelled. People come to me all the time. They said, I can't figure out your church. So what do you mean you can't figure out my church? Well, number one, you've been meeting in that crazy building for years. How does that happen? I don't know. I can't figure that out either. What else can't you understand? Well, you've got all those people there, and I know all those people, and, and like, they're just really different from each other. Keep going. What do you mean? Well, like, they see the world differently. They all, like, have different political views and different theological views, and, and, and they're kind of messed up. And I'm like, I know. But you all seem to get along, and you all seem to be following what God has for you. I just can't figure it out. I know. I can't either. It's a testimony of God. Why don't you come be a part of it? Why don't you come watch what God wants to do? And then the other place our criticism will come from, your criticism will come from, and this is the part that's hard, right, is those who are a part of the body of Christ. You ever notice that as Christians, as churches, we like to criticize each other? Well, I don't understand why you do that. I don't understand what that's about. See, this is my answer to those critics. Get in the game. (laughs) Why don't you get in the game? See, I want us to be so busy. I want us to be so faithful, so focused, so on mission with the purposes of Christ that we don't have time to be distracted by criticism. Amen? 
Like, I want this place to be so full of the mission of God, the vision of God. I, I thought I had a lot of vision. And then you all started getting in here, and you're texting me. Tuesday night, we start moving stuff in. Wednesday, y'all are texting me. We need to get this. We need to do this. We need to. And I'm like, stop, no more vision. But I want us to be so focused on that that we can't help but say, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for us? And those, that criticism just starts to drift away. Look at verse 5. This is the last verse I'm going to cover. So he's questioned them, and then watch what happens. He looked around at them in anger. Some of you only grew up with nice Jesus. You grew up with the Jesus of the paintings, the velvet paintings. How many of you had velvet paintings in church when you were growing up? Come on. And you saw that Jesus, and that Jesus always had this European white glow around his head. Can I blow your mind a minute? Jesus wasn't white. What? But he had that glow around his head, and he always had this thing going. You know this thing? I don't know what this was. Like, to me, this was Luke Skywalker, right? This was not Jesus, but this was low hand. I call this low hand. You ever read the Bible and Jesus said to them, low? What does low mean? I don't know. Low, kid. And then the Bible would say, like, kids loved him. And I'm like, European white Jesus with the glow and the weird fingers. No kid loves that. They run from that. Jesus was human, and this scripture tells us he was angry. And he wasn't just angry, it says, and deeply distressed by their stubborn hearts. He's looking at the religious people and he's angry and he's distressed by their stubbornness. And he finally says to the man who's standing in front of them, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Jesus asks the stubborn religious people these theological questions. They don't have an answer and he doesn't even answer them. He says, just stretch out your hand. Let them see what happens? Jesus couldn't put up with their silence. I, I think I, I would say it this way. He couldn't handle the fact that their potential for love was stifled by their passion for legalism. He couldn't handle the fact that they were missing the potential to love the messy among them because they were stifled by such a passion for following the rules, for being religious, for all those things. Jesus actually bypasses the criticism to confront the sickness. And by the way, that's what Buchanan needs. That's what Upshur County needs. That's what West Virginia needs. That's what our world needs. We need to bypass the criticism and start confronting the sickness. So there are certain issues that are, I would call withered hand issues. I don't want to debate them with you. I just want to go into the world and try to heal them. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I don't want to debate with you your politics over racial reconciliation. I don't want to debate with you your politics and your theology and your experiences over racial reconciliation. This is a withered hand issue in the kingdom of God. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. We need to heal the issue. I don't want to debate it anymore. I don't want to debate the issues of when there are refugees in need of care, how we're supposed to respond. This is a withered hand issue that God wants to heal, and God wanted to heal it long before the Democratic Party or the Republican Party wanted to heal it. I don't want to debate it. Am I stepping on feet yet? I don't want to debate with you issues of drug addiction and solutions. I want to step into the mess. I want to say, behold, our state is getting killed by addiction. It's time to step up and say this is a withered hand issue. Let's heal it. I don't want to debate with you whether God cares about the life of a child in the womb. This is a pro-life issue. God has always been about life. So let's be pro-life from the womb all the way to the tomb. Let's mission after all those things. 
I don't want to debate whether poverty and hunger should be solved with this program or this program. I want to step in and say, this is a withered hand issue. Let's get it in front of us and let's do something about it. See, these are justice issues and justice issues are biblical kingdom of God issues. They're not political issues. God has always been about justice. There's a, there's a theologian, Cornell West. He says, justice is what love looks like in public. See, I want this place to be love going public. I want this people to be love going public. We have such an opportunity. Friends, get ready. So as we, oh man, I, I've got like three other sermons in my head right now. Malachi 6, 8, you need to go look that up. Nehemiah on the wall, building the wall and saying he's being criticized and he looks at the people down below him and he said, I don't know, they didn't have a ladder, but they were down below him. He said, I'm doing a great work and I can't come down. That's a whole sermon I'm not going to give you today. All right, here's the questions. Josh, you can come on because I'm about done, I promise. Here's the questions I want you to think about. I want you to respond to. Where are you withered? Where in your life do you feel this messiness? Do you feel this brokenness? Do you feel maybe this paralysis? Where are you withered? Where do you feel like, I, you know what the word withered means in the Bible? It actually means dry or dried up. Where do you feel like there's just not been any life? Because Jesus steps in in John 7 and he says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. You know what I love? One of the things I love most about this building is that waterfall. Because that's living water. That water keeps moving. That water keeps coming. That water keeps flowing. It's living water that says, if you're withered, I'm going to bring life back to you. And so I want to start here with those of you who are here and say, maybe you've walked in and you've been withered and you would say, I just haven't had any life for a long time. And I don't mean just distraction. I mean true life. True fullness of life. Purpose, meaning, passion, and pursuit. Where are you withered? Here's the second question. How does your love need to go public? How does your love need to be put on display? Who do you know that's withered around you? I know I'm always asking you this question. Who do you need to invest in that doesn't know Jesus? Who do you need to invite into this space that finally you're going to say, this is a good space. I promise it's not cold. It's not wet in the winter. Like it's not, it's a good space. But who do you need to invite into a place that they can hear the gospel? of Christ. Think about it. Name that name of that person in your head. And then as we pray together today, I want you to actually just whisper that name out loud. God, help me begin to go public with my faith. Who needs around you hope, life, grace, compassion, mercy, peace. And then here's the question to close. I love that Jesus was accused of being Jesus. Let's watch what he does and see if he's going to act like Jesus. So this last question is this. What's in the way of you being accused of being like Jesus? See, I think if we're truly living this vision that I believe God's given us as a church to find Jesus and to follow Jesus beyond Sundays, the people are going to start to go, man, that looks an awful lot like Jesus, the way you're living your life. I wonder what's standing in our way. For some of us, it's our time. We're so busy. For some of us, it's, it's fear. 
right? We're just scared. We're just nervous. We've kind of gone underground with our faith, and we're, we don't want to be like all the other Christians. We don't want to be judged. We don't want to be criticized. So, so how do we do this? And, and maybe that fear is in the way. Listen, next Sunday, there's going to be a horse trough. I know. It's a horse trough full of water. I got heaters coming. And we're going to baptize some people. And we're going to have some people that are going to say, I want to go public with my faith. And maybe that fear has been in the way for you. That's a great first step that says, I'm going to go public with my faith. I'm going to make it, I want the world to know who I am. Maybe it's knowledge. Maybe some of you just go, I don't know enough to follow Jesus to make my, my, my life look like Jesus. I don't, I, don't, I don't know enough. Can I just tell you, step in somewhere. Maybe you just become a greeter at the church. Maybe you go like love babies in the nursery. Or you say, I'll bring some cookies every week. But you take a step towards something. For some of you, maybe you have misperceptions of Jesus, and that's standing in the way of you. Some of you grew up in religious settings where it was the rules all the time. The rules, the rules, the rules, the rules. Or it was angry Jesus. I have to live a certain way, and if I don't live a certain way, then God's going to be mad at me. But see, Jesus, this is what I love. Don't miss this. Write this down. Jesus reached the messy people with messy people. Did you ever notice that? Like he didn't, he didn't say to the Samaritan woman, hey, go and clean yourself up and then get everything in order. Make sure you get rid of all those men that you've been sleeping around with and then come back to me and we'll fill out an application. We'll put you through our church processes. We'll plug you in and then you can serve somewhere if our leadership team and the pastor feel good about it. Jesus said, go to your village and tell everybody you know but I'm a mess. I, I, I know. Go tell everybody you know. And she won the whole village to Christ. Jesus uses messy people to reach messy people. What stands in the way of you being accused of looking an awful lot like Jesus? I'm going to pray for us, and I'm going to rewrap Josh's cord. Not like he did, though. And we're going to sing a song together that I think is all about our celebration of this altar that we're building today. But let this altar confront you. Let's pray together.